Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build your network. Episode 61. Hey, this is Dory Clark, author of Entrepreneurial You. If you want to become the best entrepreneur you can be, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chapel. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be. Brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. But first, if you have not yet joined our Facebook group, Build Your Network Beta, then you are missing out on some tips and some tricks and everything in between on how to network better, how to build those relationships better. If you haven't joined yet, please head over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB to join and be a part of the group, and I will see you there. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Dory Clark. Dory is an adjunct professor at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and the author of Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You, and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. A former presidential campaign spokeswoman, the New York Times described her as an expert at self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. A frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, she consults and speaks for 
for clients including Google, Microsoft, and the World Bank. You can download her free Entrepreneurial You self-assessment workbook at doryclark.com forward slash entrepreneur. Dory, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really, really excited to have you. Why don't you go ahead and expound a little bit on that intro and tell us more about yourself? Yeah, thanks so much, Travis. So I have worn a lot of hats. And in fact, my first book was called Reinventing You because I had reinvented myself a lot of times and had become interested in the concept. I actually started out as a journalist, got laid off very early on and had to reinvent myself. So I worked in politics as a spokesperson on a gubernatorial campaign and then a presidential campaign. I ran a nonprofit for a couple of years and then 11 years ago started my business doing marketing strategy consulting with a bit of speaking and teaching and writing thrown in. So I'm now on my third book, Entrepreneurial You, and really love the chance to get to do what I'm doing now, which is especially focused around helping talented professionals get their message seen and heard in today's noisy environment. So my question for you, Dory, is why? So you're in a kind of a more corporate setting and you bounce around from this opportunity to this opportunity. Why make the leap into entrepreneurship? Well, you know, for me personally, I, we, so would you like me to answer it for me or for like, why should one? For you, for you. Why was it that you, after doing all these different types of things, were like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it? You know, the job, Travis, that I had right before starting my business was being a nonprofit executive director. Okay. And, you know, sometimes people slag on the nonprofit sector, but I, I got to tell you, it is the hardest work in the world. You know, you've got all these people working for good causes, you know, trying to do their best. And I was running a tiny organization. It had an annual budget of $150,000. We had three staffers that we had to support using that money. And it was a bicycle advocacy organization. And I was under so much pressure because it was this 30-year-old organization that somehow had not managed to grow beyond that in 30 years. Mm. And I was responsible for the fundraising. I mean, we had a board, but you know, really it was me as the executive director who had to bring in the money. And I just realized, you know, oh my God, it's it's on me. And if I don't do it, this venerable organization is going to go under. Yeah. And there was so much stress and so much pressure. About a year in, I had this kind of moment of clarity where I realized, wait a minute, number one, I am running a business that is, you know, that's not how nonprofits think of themselves, but that's exactly what it is. You have to, you know, you have to be in the black, you have mm -hmm. to be successful, yep. keep all your stakeholders happy. And number two, I could run my own business and be so much less stressed and probably make more money. Hmm. And so I planned for another year and I took that years long period to educate myself about business. You know, I took classes, I read books, you know, I did all the stuff to try to be as smart as I could when I launched. And uh, I, of course, wanted to give the organization proper notice as well that I'd be leaving. Mm -hmm. And so then after running the nonprofit for a couple of years, I decided to become an entrepreneur. So, you know, many people think entrepreneurship is about risk and, oh, it must be a bunch of risk takers just taking <laughs> more risks. But I actually felt like it was a, a far less risky decision for yeah. me to make. Yeah. And that, that's actually why I asked the question, because I wanted you to get to that whole transition period. I think that's one of the misunderstandings that a lot of people have when they're getting into entrepreneurship is that they think that exactly. They, they're like, well, it just comes with risk. That's just the part of the game. And while that is accurate, there can be such a, a level of practicality that you also bring to it. So I love that 
You took literally an entire year doing something that you knew you weren't going to be doing for the rest of your life, but you stuck with it and you engaged with it and you let the organization know. But at the same time, you were also working on all these different skills, gaining knowledge and gaining insights to be able to put into your business when you actually started. And so I think that that's a huge insight to take away from that is if you're sitting at home and you're wanting to jump into entrepreneurship, don't feel like you have to do it without having a plan. Some people do it that way and then, you know, some it works for them, but it's also a really good idea to be practical and have that peace of mind when you jump into something so that you know that this is going to be the next step for you. So Dory, when you jumped into entrepreneurship, that's such a vague term. Can we break that down into exactly what you started doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, and this actually changed quite a bit as well, which I, I think is the other important piece, Travis, because over time, your initial vision of what you're doing might alter as well. I originally thought that what I was going to be doing was starting a political consulting business because i that's what I had been doing right before mm -hmm. running the nonprofit. And that seemed like the clearest path to me. So I thought, okay, I'm launching a political consultancy. And anyway, it, it was just based on where it was in the cycle and based on whatever factors, I didn't get a lot of political clients up front. But what I did get was a lot of inquiries from people that I knew that worked in nonprofits or government agencies or things like that, small businesses, and they wanted to hire me. And I was, you know, pretty hungry for business. So I was not going to say no. Right. So I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and so I very quickly pivoted and, and said, well, I guess if I'm doing this work, then I'm not exactly a political consultant. I must be a marketing or a PR consultant. Hmm. And that was kind of the initial pivot was recognizing that the targets that I thought that I was approaching yeah. and that I thought would be my clients were for whatever reason, less receptive than I'd imagined, but other people were more receptive. So I just switched in order to make that more possible. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent 
fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The art of the pivot is definitely something that a lot of people struggle with. Like, how long did it take you to realize that actually this is probably going to be the direction that I'm going to be going in? Well, you know, early on in terms of who the clients were, that took place pretty quickly, probably within two or three months. What actually took a little bit longer was another pivot, which is that originally, and again, you know, again, we start where we can start, right? So originally, a lot of the work that I was doing for people was very similar to the work that I had done as a political communication specialist. So I was, okay. I was doing a lot of pitching, a lot of PR stuff, trying to get people in the paper. I was writing press releases. I was doing a lot of copywriting. Maybe I'd write speeches or you know things like that. Mm-hmm. And I came to realize within a few years, I would say within about three to four years of starting my business, that that was going to be something that I would have to move away from as well. Yeah. And the reason was at the time that I launched my business, which was 2006, that was really the beginning of an inflection point because social media was on the rise. That was on the positive side. On the negative side, newspapers were just very, very rapidly collapsing. And there used to be a lot more space in newspapers, like we've kind of now forgotten. But I mean, they used to be huge and there was a lot of space in them. And so therefore, it was a lot easier for people to get coverage in the newspaper. And so I still had a bunch of clients they were expecting to get covered in the paper. And, you know, three years ago, if they did a blah, 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 they would get covered in the newspaper. And so meanwhile, they hired me and they would expect to be in the newspaper. When they were not in the newspaper, their assumption was that I had screwed up Hmm. or that I had done something wrong because, well, why aren't we in the newspaper? And I'm like, dude, maybe it's because the newspaper is 60% smaller. (laughs) But nobody wants to hear that. And I just realized like, oh, this is a losing battle. This is a field where I'm going to have a bunch of people that are going to be dissatisfied clients. And that is not a business that I want to be in. So I had to pivot away from doing PR stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now fast forward a few years, you've written a couple of different books. What inspired uh, Entrepreneurial You? So Entrepreneurial You is a book that I wrote because I essentially just really wanted to understand what people were doing who were able to build extremely successful seven-figure businesses as essentially solo consultants. Hmm. I would hear stories about colleagues who were just raking in the money. You know, they were doing, oh, this one had a $2 million launch. This one had a $3 million launch. And I thought, whoa, you know, what do these people know that I don't know? Right. right. <laughs> you know, I was doing very well. I had a six-figure business. I'd been running my business for about 10 years, but it, it seemed like there were some things that I really could benefit from learning. And so I thought, okay, what's my way of learning it? And having been a former journalist, my go-to instinct is, well, can I interview these people? And you know, that can I then share that with other people? Because that, that makes it a win-win for them as well right, to help right. raise awareness about that. So I wrote Entrepreneurial You essentially so I could figure out how to make more money in my business and help other people figure out how to make more money. And so I interviewed more than 50 top entrepreneurs about the specifics behind their business model and really tried to break it down to create an action plan for people. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. I love, I'm holding the book right now, Dory. I'm a little bit into it right now. I have not been able to finish it yet. But I love the monetize your expertise point because I want to ask you a question about that. At what point do you feel that somebody becomes an expert at something? Yeah, I think it's an important question. And I would say that there's gradations, right? Of course, plenty of people say, oh, well, you know, maybe it's the Anders Ericsson 10,000 hours or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I also think that there are stages before that. So, for instance, a model that a lot of people could potentially use that I think is a useful one is what I will call the peer who is just ahead of you model. And so essentially, as long as you have something of value to offer people and as long as you were honest about what you know and what you don't know, you are often an expert to other people, even if you know just a tiny bit more than them. Hmm. So for instance, an example that I like is there's a guy named Josh Kaufman who's written a book that is very successful called The The Personal MBA. And basically what he did, he did not have an MBA and he did not want to have the time or spend the money to go back and get an MBA. Hmm. But he's like, what if I could teach myself? And so he embarked upon this campaign to read all of the foundational books in the business canon And then he wrote a book about his experiences learning about that. I think that's a a really great model and a great example because, you know, he's not presenting himself as, oh, I'm the world's expert. You know, I have 10 PhDs in business. He's like, no, I'm just a guy, but I'm a guy who wanted to learn how to do this. And I did it. And here is what I picked up along the way in case you would like to do something similar. And so I think that a lot of people can lay claim to a form of expertise like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the answer that I was looking for because that is one thing I see so many people do and I'm guilty of it myself. And I think a lot of us just run into that imposter syndrome and feel like we're inadequate to be able to claim to be able to know something that someone else doesn't know. But the fact is, if you know a little bit more than, you know, 80% of the people in the country on something, then that you're kind of an expert, you know, like you don't have to be, like you said, have to have 10 PhDs on this certain topic in order to be able to be qualified to teach it. As long as somebody wants to learn something that you know, then you can be an expert in whatever field that you're in. So I think that a lot of people wait too long to do that. And I think that there's definitely some timing that goes behind that. And you don't want to do it too soon if you truly don't know anything about a topic. But I think that a lot of people don't really ever fall into the too soon trap. They fall into the, they wait too long trap, but awesome stuff on that Dory. If you have not been able to go pick up a copy of entrepreneurial, you, you can find it on Amazon. And you also have a worksheet. Is that correct, Dory? I do, actually. Yeah, it's uh, for for folks. (laughs) Yes, glad you mentioned. (laughs) For folks that are interested in thinking about ways to develop their own multiple income streams, how do you diversify your business? How do you come up with other ways to monetize your ideas and things you're doing? There's a special self-assessment workbook that I created, the Entrepreneurial You Self-Assessment, and folks can download that for free. It's 88 questions to actually walk you through the process, and you can get it at doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com slash entrepreneur. So go download that worksheet. I recommend everybody doing that if you're an entrepreneur, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, everybody go download that worksheet, work through it, and see what ideas you can come up with. And I'm sure Dory would love to hear what you have coming out of that. And now, Dory, I want to kind of switch the conversation here and talk a little bit more about networking specifically 
specifically about cultivating relationships and building relationships with people, which you are fantastic at. You're a master at it. Just interviewing 50 entrepreneurs for your book is a networking feat in and of itself. So I want to ask you this question to get the conversation going, and then we will go from there. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Well, you know, I think with all things, right, that of course it's both. But if I were to pick between the two, if we were at gunpoint, I would say that probably it is who you know that is more valuable because I think that we all know something. We're assuming that the distinction is not that you are like a hopeless idiot, but you have all these friends. Presumably, you know something. You just might not be the world's expert at it. And I think that that is a much stronger position to be in than being the world's expert, but nobody knows you. If you're the guy alone in a cave, you know, it is. It's like the the tree falling in the forest. It's nice for you, but you're not helping anybody. You are not adding value to the world if you're not able to convey that and share it and have it benefit other people. I think we can probably all think of lots of people that may not be the smartest or the best in the world, but they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. And if you're pretty good and you have a good network, that is an extremely powerful combination. Yes, so true, so important. And then the thing is too, Dory, is that it also compounds on itself. So if you're pretty good and then you have a large network and you get to know those people, you will ultimately become really good because you're around really good people and you can't help but up-level yourself when you're around really good people because it's just what happens. If you don't up-level yourself when you're around really good people, then you're not going to be around really good people for that long. You know, like you have to become a better person. You have to become the what that you know will always increase if you focus on the who you know first is the way that I look at it. But tell us about a time, a specific story that you can remember, Dory, that where a connection in your life led to a big moment of success for you. Well, you know, one recent story, Travis, that comes to mind, something that I am doing that I'm very excited about as a side project, you know, I'm a big believer in doing things that are fun and doing things that are interesting and doing things that will just sort of expand you. And so one side project to that end that I'm doing is starting next fall, fall of 2018, I am going to be entering this program that I was accepted for, which I ended up deferring for a year because I had a book launch for Entrepreneurial U called the BMI Lehman Angle Musical Theater Fellowship Mm. and is a fellowship run by BMI, the music publishing house, and is basically focused on training the next generation of musical theater writers. So I am training as a musical theater lyricist and I'm really excited about it. But thank you. Yeah. So, So first of all, I never would have heard of this program if it hadn't been for a guy that I met, a guy named Jeff Marks, who's the creator of Avenue Q, the musical. And I met Jeff Marks at TED, the TED conference in Vancouver. And it was at this private dinner, like the night after TED ended. And we ended up sitting next to each other. And I was interested in musical theater, but I didn't really have any connections or anything. I sat next to Jeff and he told me about it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's exactly, you know, what I need. That's fantastic. So he tipped me off to this program. And so I made it a goal of mine. And of course, you know, you need some persistence in this process. I applied the first time in 2016, did not get in. I then reapplied in 2017 and kind of committed myself to the process of learning. And I did get in that second time. But so Jeff told me about it. And then Jeff, you know, was a real advocate for me 
in the process. And I had yet another friend, a guy named Michael Roderick, who's a, a great guy, also a real networker and a networking expert. He connected me with, you know, uh, another colleague that was very helpful to me in the process. And so through that, through these people, I was able to get it accepted into a program that A, I think is going to be an amazing learning opportunity, but B, may open up whole new professional pathways for me. Yeah, that's such a great story. I love I love every aspect of that. So you got a lot of different areas of interest then. You're definitely the wearer of many hats, so to speak. If I remember right, I heard your interview on Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas, and you were also doing like some stand-up comedy. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And in fact, I got into stand-up comedy because I have a friend in New York named Terry Trespicio, who's also a speaker on business and career topics. And she does stand-up comedy as a hobby. And she suggested, I was like, oh, that's great. You know, what did you do? How can I do it? And she had taken a course and she suggested it to me. So I took that same course and got into it from there. So, you know, yet again, it's it's the network helping to inspire some of these things. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic, too. Um, if I'm ever in an area where you're doing some stand-up comedy, I will gladly come listen. I'm a huge fan of, of stand-up comedy. My wife just, like, looks at me as I laugh my head off at every stand-up comic that I watch. So, um, uh, it's great. I'll, I'll be a good audience member for you. Trust me. <laughs> nice. So with this being so important with networking, with building relationships with people, with getting out there, talking to folks, having more experiences with that being such a crucial aspect of your professional career, Dory, why do you think that a lot of people just neglect to do that? I think a lot of people neglect networking because it's just easier for people to fall into ruts. You know, that's sort of the the natural pattern, right? It's just mm -hmm. kind of, well, let's master this and then kind of hit homeostasis. And so in my speeches that I often give, I'll, I'll tell a story about a colleague of mine that does something so simple, but I think is so smart, which is that she had a practice that she followed where every week she would invite a different colleague from a different department out to lunch. And, you know, it's like so simple and so obvious. It's like a, literally one hour per week for networking. And at the end of the year, you have 50 new contacts that are people that, you know, maybe you met once in a meeting, but you didn't really know. And now you've gotten to know them and they're willing to help you trade ideas, whatever. You know so much more about your company or, you know, you don't have to do it in your company. You could do it in your community. Mm -hmm. But however you do it. But for a lot of people, it's not like that's really hard, yeah. but they just they don't think about it because, oh, you know, like I, I just uh, fell into this pattern of, oh, I always eat lunch with Jim or, oh, well, I just skip lunch or, you know, right, whatever, right. whatever it is. So I think it's a minimal amount of effort. But if people are not consciously focused on it, they're just going to miss it. Right, right. So doing it on purpose is definitely something that I've seen a lot of people just exactly what you're saying. They just kind of let life go by and then they think networking is something that just happens on accident. You know, like, Oh, I happen to be at this coffee shop talking to this person. And then all of a sudden they talked to this person and then it just kind of worked out that way. And I think it's such a, to me, it's just such an irresponsible way to view an aspect of your life that could literally change your entire future, if that makes sense. Like it's just such an irresponsible way to look at the activity of thinking it just, you know, happens on accident when you can kind of take the control into your own hands and predict what your future is going to be because you are consciously giving that 
particular aspect more effort than you would typically. So fantastic, fantastic advice there. If you had to choose one networking tip, Dory, so we talked about a few different things, but let's boil it down to one thing. If somebody's listening and they got to go really quick and you want to just give them one thing that they can take home tomorrow and apply to their life, what would your one networking tip be? Well, one thing that is really not hard for people, even if they're shy, they're introverts, whatever, I interviewed a guy named Michael Katz for a Forbes blog that I did a while ago. And he told me about just a very simple exercise that I think is pretty powerful, which is that he has a list of, let's say, you know, whatever, 150, 200 people, something like that, that he has considered his top people, you know, the most important people in his network. Hmm. And, you know, for all of us, we can imagine who that might be. Maybe it's clients, maybe it's people who refer us to clients, maybe it's like just influencers we know, whatever. And so he has a little practice that is that first thing every day when he's sitting down at his computer, he will take like between five and 10 minutes and he will take three of those people and just write them a short personal note. Now, this is not a long thing. This is not even like, you know, oh, so, you know, like handwritten takes a long time, have to find their address. No, he's just emailing them. And it's like, it's like, hey, Travis, you know, hadn't talked to you for a little while. How's everything going? Oh, have you seen any stand up comedy lately? How's your wife doing? You know, right. just thinking of you, wanted to say hi, blah, blah, blah. You know, two minutes. By doing that, you're staying in touch, you're staying friendly, you're staying on the radar. And it gives you a way to just keep that connection alive with the most important people in your life. And that way, the connection stays fresh. And it's not weird if later on, if you email back like, oh, Dory, what's new with you? And it's like, oh, well, you know, actually, Travis, I'm looking for a new job. So in case you know of anything in the blah, blah, blah industry or, right, hey, I'm right. thinking of moving to California. So if you know of any openings, it's not like you're the guy who only contacts people when you need something. Mm -hmm. You've kept up that relationship and people like you enough to want to help. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that tip. Follow up is something that I really try to work on because it's not something that comes naturally to me. It's just kind of like out of sight, out of mind for me. So when I meet people, you know, I do a really good job at that, but then follow up is something I need a lot of help in. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. Dory, we could talk about this for a really, really long time. And with someone like you that has the inner circle that you have, I'm sure we could have some really great conversation, but we are running out of time. So I need to shift the conversation one more time and move on to something I like to call the random round, which is just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Oh, yeah. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Well, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a spy. So I think I think that would be great. Yes. I've always been a James Bond fan. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Oh, great question. My new pick is Greta Gerwig, the indie film actress and director. <laughs> she's so interesting and so talented. So she's now at the top of my list. How do you like to learn best, books, blogs, or podcasts? Probably I'll say podcasts just because of sheer volume of them. I like all of the above, but podcasts are great because, of course, you can listen to them when you're doing other things, which mm -hmm. means I can consume a much bigger quantity of them. So probably a couple hours a day of podcasts. Tell me one or two of your favorite podcast shows, obviously besides Build Your Network. Yes, because Build Your Network rocks. <laughs> but other ones besides that that I like to listen to I, in order to give you the most up-to-date answer, I'm going to look at my phone right now to see Perfect. what I've been listening to. Real-time so, answers here. 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. Oh, so I really, definitely really like Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, mm. Revisionist History. Yeah. It's just so artful. It's like each one is is as well-researched as his New Yorker right. column. So right. there's just all these little gems there. That's pretty, pretty impressive. And other ones that I enjoy, let's see, I'm definitely a fan of Jordan Harbinger. I think he does a great job and has really become over the years a, a terrific and thoughtful interviewer. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And he's also yeah. someone that I profile, of course, in my book, Entrepreneurial You. Yeah, super, super cool guy, too. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So I wake up and I go for a little walk outside because I live in New York City. And one of my strategic mechanisms that I employ in order not to drink too much coffee is that I buy coffee every morning at a shop. And so I make it inconvenient for myself to have lots of coffee. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so, you know, yes, we pay for this inconvenience, but <laughs> I figure it's a good investment in me not over-caffeinating. Hmm. So I walk to a coffee shop, get some coffee, get an acai bowl, and then I bring it back to my apartment, read the newspaper while I have breakfast, and then begin my work day. What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh, let's see. It kind of changes a little bit over time, and I go through phases. But lately, I've been going through a Tegan and Sarah phase. What are you not very good at? I am really bad at assembling things, like sort of spatial kinesthetic things, almost to the point where I'm just embarrassed <laughs> about it. I had a girlfriend once, and she needed me to help her put up these shelves and I mean, I was ready to kill myself by the end of the day. It was like the most tortured Just experience. get somebody else. Just hire someone else. <laughs> yeah. The, the first time I helped her, and it was awful. And when they had to go up a second time when we moved, yes, I actually did make her hire someone there because I couldn't bear to do it. <laughs> All right. So get everything wrapped up here, Dory. What is one place where we'll be able to find you the most online? Nice. Well, the big repository, if people want all the things, like 500 free articles that I've written for places like Forbes and the Harvard Business Review, and also they can grab the, you know, the special entrepreneurial use self-assessment and all those things like that is just my website, which is doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. Perfect. So if you want to learn more about Dory, which you definitely do, go check out doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. Go look at some of her articles. Definitely pick up that self-assessment and go ahead and head over to Amazon, pick up a copy of her book, give it a read and throw her some feedback. Let her know what you learned from it. Dory, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Great talking to you. Thanks so much, Travis. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.